Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them lives. And we tell them all across London. This story was told by Shireen Locke in March 2009, where the theme was space. As a child, I was not the best behaved of children, and my parents and teachers had to learn how to deal with all sorts. I was possibly the youngest child ever asked by their school at age three to not come back after the weekend. <laughs> or ever. I painted a living room bookshelf with tar, threw wet toilet paper on the ceiling of every room in my house, chucked sticks off a bridge trying to hit cards, te hid my teacher's chalk, drove away all my babysitters, refused the school naps, and locked my five-month-old brother in a large lunchbox. <laughs> I think my parents realised how special I was on Easter morning of 1988. My mother had carefully stored all the Easter eggs for the extended family on top of the bookshelf in a lovely line. It was only when she started to take them down to distribute on Easter morning that she realised the backs of them were all missing. <laughs> At age five, I had climbed to the top of the bookshelf, opened all the boxes, eaten the backs of the eggs and the insides, <laughs> and then reboxed them up so they looked as good as new. I'm sure my parents didn't know whether to be angry or impressed. From what I remember, my parents tried every sort of discipline they could think of. As a child, I had my mouth washed out with soap and was sent to bed early with no supper. I was smacked, locked in my bedroom, and made to do extra math homework. As a teenager, I had my stereo system removed and was grounded from the school discos. They even tried fear. I remember after a particularly naughty afternoon, my mother, at the end of her tether, threatened to give me up for adoption. At the age of 11, I hid outside the living room door and heard my parents flicking through the yellow pages and talking loudly about adoption agencies whilst making pretend phone calls. Unfazed, I decided I would teach them a lesson and ran up to my room, climbed out of my window, shimmied down the outside of the house and decided to run away. I lasted two hours, crouched under a tiny bridge, bored and itchy, before I attempted to climb back up the wall, fell, crashed onto the air conditioning unit, and ended up scratched and bruised in the hedge. My parents opened the door as I quietly stalked past them, pride dented but spirit intact. Like most children, I grew out of my naughtiness, maturity for the most part curbing my more mischievous tendencies. After getting my degree, I decided to take off for a year of travelling with my boyfriend. 
The trip was planned and organised mainly by me, but Mark's one stipulation was to spend 12 days in Nepal at a med meditation retreat based on the principles of Vipassana meditation. When I told my friends what I was planning to do, they were sceptical to say the least. The website, yes, there was actually a website, uh, revealed that these courses are not for the frivolous. Considering that I had just spent the last three years in Nottingham being frivolous, that little comment did nothing to calm my nerves. The retreat was 12 days long and consisted of 11 hours of meditating a day. Although it was voluntary and free, there were some very strict rules that we had to agree to before we entered the <coughs> retreat. From the moment you stepped inside the compound to the moment that you stepped out, you were not allowed to utter a word. Can you see the appeal for me? Mark would tell anybody that would listen. <laughs> Men and women were separated. There was no hot water, no heating or any extra blankets. And did I mention it was December in Nepal? We weren't allowed to take in any reading or writing materials and no iPods. The wake-up bell was at 4am and we were expected in the meditation hall at 4.30 for two hours of meditating before breakfast. There was no meal afternoon, but we did get a small mug of sweet milky tea and a handful of what looked and tasted like Rice Krispies. <laughs> On day one, I was thrilled to find two rogue peanuts in there and was amazed at how lucky I was that they had somehow managed to sneak in. <laughs> it wasn't until the next day when I found seven that I realised that these were actually part of the Rice Krispies. It became the highlight of my day and somewhat of a routine for me separate the peanuts from Rice Krispies, line them up on my plate and play Tinker Tailor Soldier Sailor before slowly eating them one by one. Simple pleasures. Keeping the noble silence, no speaking, gesturing or contact of any kind, wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be, even with my roommate, a large Nepalese woman who snored like a sick pig. <laughs> when the 4am bell rang, she would jump up, turn on the light and get ready in five minutes and then sit cross-legged on her bed for the rest of the 25, waiting until 4.30 to walk up to the hall. I spent every morning lying, freezing in my bed, my woolly hat pulled over my eyes, wondering why she didn't just get up 20 minutes later. <laughs> the physical pain of the meditations were worse than the early mornings or hungry afternoons. The floor was hard and the flimsy curtain replacing a door meant it was so bone-numbingly cold that I wore every item of clothing I brought with me. Sitting on your ass for 11 hours a day, trying not to move, was so painful that my entire body ached day in and day out. Boredom and frustration were other hurdles to overcome. Most of Vipassana concentrates on bodily sensations and how to overcome them. Do not focus on the pain and do not crave the pleasure. There is no mantra, you simply have to concentrate on how your body feels when you breathe. We spent a lot of time concentrating on how our fingers felt, how our breath felt coming out of our lungs and on the sensations under our skin. The trick was just to be a passive observer and not wish it away or want it to continue. When the focus of day three was announced at the 4am meditation, I became concerned that 11 hours would not be enough time to really grasp how our upper lip felt as our breath came <laughs> out of our nose. <laughs> <laughs> of course, started to lead to behaviour that was not within the realms of by the retreat. I felt like Winston in Orwell's 1984. The gardeners were spies, the meal staff had four ears, and the large lady who sat at the head of the hall where we were all meditating had incredible eyesight. If you did anything remotely suspicious, they were all up like a shot 
to make sure you knew you were being watched. In 12 days, I uttered one sentence. Predictably, it was, I'm sorry, after I was hauled up in front of the teacher and told off for trying to communicate with another person, and not least with a man. <coughs> there was one small area in the retreat that I could go on a walk and possibly catch a glimpse of Mark if he happened to be passing on the boy's side at the same time. <laughs> Not close enough to speak, but close enough to hurl things. <laughs> First, was a malaria tablet wrapped in an orange peel stolen from the food hall with a message reminding me to take my medicine scratched on with a twig and wrapped in a leaf. <laughs> the day that we were caught, Mark had felt the desperate need to share with me the tips he had discovered since the retreat started and hurled me a toilet roll with a note scratched on it using a penknife. I couldn't see where it landed and spent the next two days walking round and round and round, <laughs> trying to search for it inconspicuously. The gardener that was eyeballing me suspiciously the entire time must have turned me in. During the retreat, I cursed a lot in my head. I cursed myself, I cursed Mark for making me go, the teacher for the chanting, the locals for all the burping, the weather for being cold, my roommate for snoring, the canteen for not giving us enough tea, Mark for making me go, my room for being in a permanent shadow, Big Brother for just not giving me another blanket, and Mark for making me go. <laughs> Throughout my time, I gradually tried to let go of some of my anger, and even said to myself that I would keep it up after we left the confines of the retreat. An hour a day meditating, minimum, I would say to myself. When I left with the, the retreat, I left with the best intentions, but like swearing off booze in January, it didn't last long. I didn't do one minute of meditating after I got out. There were people at the retreat from Germany, Spain, Australia, the US, England, Slovenia, Nepal, Japan and South America. If nothing else, Vipassana has brought all these people from all walks of life together and that has to be a good thing. There was a French person there as well, but I had conquered love and compassion by that point and only spat at her twice. <laughs> when you're a child, discipline means naughtiness. It's negative, bad, and something that is inflicted on you that is never very pleasant. As you get older, discipline is something that you aspire to have. It suggests you are strong-willed, constrained, and controlled. Those 12 days spent in silence, for me, was the ultimate display of discipline and challenge. But somewhere, the child in me is not far away, and I'm still the little girl who steals the back of Easter eggs. <laughs> For more stories, head to sparklondon.com. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates. With audio production by Matt Hill at rethinkdaily.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.